I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. So, folks, I am so incredibly excited to be here today. I'm always excited to be here because the people who come to the lounge are just amazing. And I have someone who's really amazing today. I have Dr. Mia Johnson joining us. Hello, Dr. Johnson. How are you? Hello, Dr. Eve. I am good. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful and warm. You know, I know I'm always talking about the weather. Weather fascinates me. So, hey, all good. But look, Dr. Johnson, I'm one of those people. I don't like to take a long time to get into it. There's so much that I know that you have to share with us. So if you will, please tell us who you are and what is it that you do? So again, my name is Mia Johnson and I currently serve as the Vice Chancellor for Academic Affairs at a statewide community college in Indiana. I've been with the college for about 11 years. I started in the testing center, seating students for their entrance exams, and then I moved to assistant registrar, faculty, program chair, department chair, dean, and now my current position. Woo, you've been on a move. <laughs> I, I, I have indeed. I got about a two-year limit on a position, and I'm getting close to that. So I'm trying to figure out my next move. Nothing wrong with that. At least you have a plan, which is really awesome because you have a plan. And, you know, some people just say they're going to figure it out in whichever way the wind blows. But you're like, nah, two years, let's move. Yes. I think that's really cool. If you don't mind me asking, what is it that got you into education, especially higher education? Because it's a special place. I mean, I know we both got PhDs, so, you know, in the field. What, What was it that did it for you? You know, this was never my plan. I don't know if originally going to college, I really had a plan. When I went to my traditional four-year school, I flunked out. Two semesters, all Fs, academically dismissed. I didn't really know what I wanted out of college. I just knew I needed to have an education. So I immediately went to community college. And I think that's where I fell in love with the field, with social sciences, with all of that. I had a sociology instructor that just kind of took care of me. She knew when I was there. She knew when I was missing an assignment, like, what are you doing? What's going on? And I saw that passion in her and I just was like, I have to do this for somebody else. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how I get there, but eventually this is where I want to be. So the community college that I work at is the exact same community college that I graduated from about 16 years ago. Wow. So I don't know if people caught this, but I want to roll the playback on something you said. You flunked out of school your first semester and you are now vice chancellor. Yes. Yes, I did. I was at a traditional four-year university right out of high school. I wanted to be a medical doctor at that time. And then I had chemistry and that didn't really work out. <laughs> that path was kind of was kind of gone for me. It wasn't that I couldn't do the work. I feel like I've always been, quote, smart. I just wasn't a hard worker at the time. I didn't have the drive. I didn't have the motivation. I found time to do everything else except go to class and study. I mean, I was partying. I was living it up. So that led to two semesters of all Fs. Wow. Two semesters. <laughs> Two whole I mean, the whole year gone. You had a good time though, yeah? 
Oh, I had a wonderful time. And you know, the funny thing is, I never told my parents. They just found this out about a year ago when I talked to the local newspaper about it. And I was still kind of nervous. They just thought I wanted to transfer to the community college and come back home. So they never really asked. They never really checked up on my grades or anything. So I was just kind of on my own. Also, see, this is juicy because you just told your parents. <laughs> That's a long, pretty long time to get away with that. And But of course, so I think the advantage for you, and I know it sounds crazy to say advantage, but it's the fact that you're first gen. So your parents didn't even know what's going on. So that's how you got away with murder. Exactly. They, you know, they had no idea. They didn't know anything about semesters and how long, you know, I just remember my mom going to orientation with me. And when it was time to register, she just kind of like sat back, like, you know, you and the advisor work that out and deal with that. She never asked questions about when's class, what time, when's it over, what classes. I was just on my own. And I'm not trying to blame my parents at all. That was completely my doing, but it was easier to get away with things when my parents didn't understand what was going on. Right. Which brings up a really good point. Part of the reason why I really touched on it, that you got away with murder, because as first gens, we have to learn to be responsible for ourselves. Yes. Because there is a level of accountability that we may not have because our parents didn't go to school. And they may, like you said, they didn't understand the semester thing or where you're supposed to be, what your grades look like. And then they don't have access to it. Yes. Wow. What a great lesson. So just curious to know from you, what was it that made you want to go ahead and go to a two-year after having been at a four-year? What inspired that decision? Actually, my father is a disabled veteran. So I was getting my tuition paid plus a monthly stipend. And I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but my truth is my truth. I was like, I have to go to another school now so I can keep my money going. That was my only concern. I wasn't thinking about the future. I wasn't thinking about two years from now. I'm thinking about. I need that monthly money. I knew it would be easy to get into a community college, didn't have the strict admission requirements and all that. And my plan was to go to the community college for one semester and then transfer back to the four year I started off with. But I just never went back because again, I fell in love at the community college. Mm, That's really awesome. Do you think that if you had gone to the two year first that you would have stayed there and finished before having had your party out first year? I don't think so. I I think all of this was part of my story and my path. It's what I had to go through. I had to fall down. I had to get knocked in the head. I had to go through everything that I've gone through to get to this place. I think while bumpy and rocky and all that, this is what I had to do. I don't think it would have been the same had I gone straight to the two-year. And I think I may have been too embarrassed to go straight to the two-year. When I started at the two-year, after flunking out, I was embarrassed to tell people that's where I was. I would sometimes disguise the truth a little bit and pretend that I was at the local four-year now. And that's why I was home because I just didn't want anybody to know I failed the first time. And I didn't want them to know that I could potentially fail again. Mm, That's really, really, really interesting to me. And here's why. Because that perception tends to be present today, that people don't want to pursue their dreams, even at a two-year college, because of what people may say. But if you have a gift or you have a skill, if there's something that works for you two-year or four-year, you have to go where, you know, what's going to work best. And even the fact that you went to a four-year first and didn't do so well, you ended up at a two-year anyway, but that's where you were supposed to be, which is also a great lesson. Where you're supposed to be is where you're supposed to be and what you're going to experience, you're going to experience no matter where you go. I, I love that a lot. So thinking about your life now and all of your experiences, all the students you've helped, all the positions that you've had professionally, because like 
you on a roll. I'm gonna say you dope. You real dope. <laughs> because you. you know it's it's and I admire you, especially being an administrator and a black woman who's first gen, because you are the example. And to have been someone that again you flunked out your first year of college is significant to me because people think that it's over for them when they don't do well the first time, but you kept going and you made that a choice. So yeah, so of all the things that you've learned about life and professionalism and family, just anything, what is it that you wish somebody would have told you? You know, I wish several things, but the first thing, you know, it's not a race, it's a marathon. I think I just was so like, get this done, go, go, go. But you're constantly learning and changing and growing every day and you can't be afraid of that. Like you'll get there. You go through things to make you stronger, to prepare you for the next step or the next step or the next step. And I think sometimes we see failure or a no or a missed opportunity or whatever as the end. And that's not the end. It just means, let me rethink this. Let me step back and figure out, is this the direction? Do I go at it this way? It's just trying to teach you how to be stronger and probably more resilient so that you can get to where you're trying to go. Mm, Yes. So let me take it a step further for the little girl, the little black girl, the young professional black woman who you were, what would you tell her? Probably just be patient. Again, I'm always trying to run a race. Your time will come. I remember when I was in the testing center, I had a bachelor's degree at this point. When I started there, I was pregnant with my first son, kind of hid the pregnancy in the interview. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I, I'm better than this. I know I can do more at this college. I want to do something. And I've tried to jump at every position that came open there. I remember there was an admissions representative position that I applied for. And, and that's not me. I'm actually very introverted. And, you know, admissions folks need to be out there talking to people and getting students, all that. And I didn't get the job. And I remember being devastated. For me, that wasn't the path for me. About six months later is when the assistant registrar position opened. And that was me. Like that was the perfect position. It was a new position. And the registrar came to me in a testing center and said, I have this job I need you to apply for. So if I would have taken the no from admissions as a, this isn't where you're supposed to be. This is wrong. I can't wait. Then I wouldn't be here today. So just be patient. Like not everything that you think you want is what's best for you. Mm, can you say that again for the people? I need them to hear that real clear. Not everything that you think you want is what's best for you. Mm, yes, I'm all into this. And for so many reasons, I recently talked in the podcast about rejection. Mm. So something similar that it didn't work out for you, but we just get so, so heartbroken. Well, because it was, I'm not qualified. Was I not enough? Was this not it? And then I think a lot of times that is the universe's way, you know, and for me, I say that's God's way yeah. of saying, no, not this way. I have something else. So again, for it to have happened to you, this is a universal message. I believe that don't dawn on the closed doors because what's for you is for you. And you will find that path because somebody came to you. Yes. So let's start with that. Somebody has sought you out and how often, and are we sought for positions? You know, it's not every day that people are sought for things. So I think that that's powerful that your work spoke for itself enough for, for somebody to say, hey, I want you. Yes. Which is really cool. Just really curious to know a little bit more about the professional journey of yours and the idea that you shared with us that you typically spend, you know, two years in a position then you're ready to move to the next one. I thought that was just me, <laughs> you know, and actually I'm going to just be honest with you. I was timing at a year and a lot of that is just to be very, very candid. I try to be transparent on the show because my experience was I never felt like I was finding my fit in anything that I was doing. And not just that, but having this first gen identity, I felt like people weren't necessarily patient with me because you're grown and 
and you're supposed to know how to act. But I'm thinking, well, you know, when you come from where I come from, we say it how it is. We think it how it is. You know, it's just is what it is. So learning how to play the professional game was something that was challenging for me, just being very honest. But is there a reason or any insight for why the two-year thing is your cap? How maybe that's helped you in your career to have this, this thought about moving forward and what to do next? You know, I didn't mean for the two years to be my maximum. It just kind of started happening that way. I get bored very easily. Yeah. I need variety. I need things to change. I need excitement and different opportunities and challenges. And once I get to close to about two years is when, you know, stuff starts getting redundant. It looks the same. You know, nothing new is happening. And I'm just like, I can't do this. I need more. I constantly put more and more on my plate trying to find, you know, something different and something to keep me motivated. The switching of positions and my two-year progression all at this same community college is what helped me get this position because I've been in just about every position at the college. <laughs> so right. I've, I've been a student. I've done the admissions testing. I've been the registrar. I've been faculty. I've been a dean. So I've kind of got this holistic view of what it looks like. And instead of thinking just like a vice chancellor, I think like a vice chancellor and a registrar and a faculty member and a student. And that kind of helps me make decisions. Unfortunately, there's a lot of silos in higher ed and people only think about their department and how it affects them. So my different experiences allow me to see things differently and, and figure things out, you know, in a manner that most people don't. Yeah, we are definitely kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> we're you been all of my life I needed to have met you like 10 years ago and a part of that is because the same for me I, I had a mentor tell me that you have shiny penny syndrome and I'm like what does that mean you know like well if something is new to you and exciting you want to go to that thing I'm like but like yourself I find that I have gotten really bored in the past doing things or even if I feel like I could do something better if I'm just being real transparent I'm like I just want to look can we do it this way and why not and it was so much red tape and it wasn't until I actually started working for myself I know entrepreneurship is not for everybody and this is definitely not been an easy journey, but I found the thing that is making me go so much that I'm celebrating three years next month Yay. and I'm still at it. Uh, so it's look, it's so it's something that's challenging. Every day is new, it's exciting, it makes me cry sometimes, but there's nothing like being in this space where I can be all of these things and continue to do something that's new. So not saying for those of you who are in jobs now and bored that you just need to jump off to entrepreneurship, but much like Dr. Johnson has said, you have to have experiences to even find your thing and you have to be be okay with what your rhythm is because two years some people say well no you know you need five years but I think in this present day I think research just that we may switch careers about seven times in our lives yes now because what it used to be work a job for 20 years that's just not how it is and <laughs> not anymore yes um but so I, I like that you've given us that realistic perspective. And even for me, the affirmation that you can still be wildly successful, even in your career, even if you do change things up, because it's such a benefit that you have those experiences. Like yourself, I was in many departments and thought, why can't I just sit down? Something must be wrong with me. Then it came down to I needed a challenge and I get bored. And that's just a real honest. I can appreciate that a whole, whole lot. So kind of thinking about the successes you had, because again, to me, you like, dang, like, she bad. She doing her thing. Like that's Dr. Johnson, you would be, if I were one of your students or like, you know, even when your homegirls on campus, if I look at it, you would be that person like, she it, y'all, she it. So, but in the success, have you experienced any failures that you learned from and that you're willing to share with us? Of course. I, I tell students, I fail every day. I mess up every day. 
Before my even hit the ground, I have messed up several times. I think one of the things that I've learned is you're going to mess up, get used to it, offer real, honest, sincere apologies, and try to make it right. Like, that's all I can do. One of the things I've had to learn in my professional career is I, I tend to take a different approach to things. You care more about people than processes, and that's sometimes different than some other administrators. Now I'm working with somebody who gets it and comes to me because they value that part. I just, I can't do people wrong. If something's not right, I have to say it. I got to speak on it. I got to try to make it right. And if it can't be made right, it may be time for me to, to look elsewhere. I, there's just certain things that I can't do. And there was a point in time when I wasn't this mature in myself, in my career to be able to say, being a black woman, I've had to face some situations that I felt like, hmm, you know, that, that comment was a little sketchy. I've been put in some situations where I felt like I've had to choose between my job and who I am as a person and mm. just not not going to do that anymore and that's scary because I'm, I'm proud of this growth and where I've gotten to right now but it's also scary that you know I, I need my job I have a family so it, it's an interesting position to be in mm, very much so what are some things that you do to navigate this space right now to keep yourself balanced and aligned and just in a good space mentally and emotionally you know I've learned enough about myself to know what situations are not going to be good for me. One thing that I think of, there was a, a legislative luncheon thing where they had some candidates and I'm in a very conservative Republican state and that doesn't necessarily align with my views. So I don't attend those anymore. That was one of the things that put me in a situation that made me feel like I had to choose to sit here and be quiet and ignore who I am and who my family is or, you know, say something. So I don't attend anymore. It doesn't mean that I'm not active politically. It just means I'm not put in a position where I'm at work attending these events. So I think you just have to know what situations are good for you and what's not. Like, I'm, I'm not doing it. I told my boss, you know, I'm not going to attend those anymore. Choose somebody else. I won't go. And luckily, we've got that relationship to where he knows. Don't even tell me about it because that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not for me. And there's just other situations and things like that that, you know, aren't for me. I can do anything else. I can do something else. That's not where I need to be. That's not healthy for either one of us or this company. Mm, I like that you really speak on being an advocate for self because it, as first gens it's not uncommon for us to experience imposter syndrome yes and to feel like I shouldn't even be saying it because who am I to say that who am I to think this way who am I to stand it for myself and and I don't know you know how we always shake that but I think one of the ways to work on it is to say what you think to really just do it to take action and so the fact that you have been able to navigate in your life enough I mean get to know yourself so even the idea that you keep promoting self-awareness I'm like yes you know that's that's the key to life is knowing who you are because you again you know what does and does not work for you and so you know coming to know yourself is really it's really important I mean I imagine that it's taking you just a lot of experiences and things that are just like ah that wasn't good I'll maybe do something different later yes so that's really really awesome when I think about that so just what I'm thinking of now and how you've been able to just navigate getting to know yourself, what are some of the other things that you've done, maybe books that you've read or people you've talked to, to become more enlightened and more aware of who you are? So I always have 
several books in my hands. <laughs> I, I, Exciting. I tend to read like three or four at a time because again, I get bored easily. So I start reading one and get so far and I'm like, I need a break from this. And I switch over to this one and switch over to this one. <laughs> it drives some people like my husband crazy. Like, what are you doing? But this is my method and this is what I do. So my PhD is in global leadership. So I read a lot of books on leadership and things like that. I, I see a lot of people, you're trained to be a manager and not trained to be a leader. Mm. Always trying to get more and more knowledge about leading, leading, leading. And then, of course, I like just some fun stuff. So I, I just am trying to get a mix of different things that will just help me grow and know more. I believe in being a lifelong learner. I believe mm. you never get enough information on things. And where I'm at in my life now, I, it took a long time to get here. Mm. I'm okay with saying I'll be 39 in a couple of months. And so I, I think it's okay for you to be in your 20s or early 30s and still not be at a certain place. Like this isn't something that happened to me at 21 or 22. So I just think, you know, reading and, and seeking knowledge and going to conferences and just finding things that kind of nourish my spirit and give me what I need at the moment, which changes regularly. That's what's helped me to get to this point and helped me to grow and continue to grow. I'm always out new things to grab onto and, and figure out and then move on to the next. Mm. Yes, I'm with that. And it's funny that you even talked about reading because I was going to ask you if you've been reading anything. So it's good to know that you do read. What are some things you're reading now? Right now I am reading It Was All a Dream and it's about Black millennials and the way that they're navigating things. And it's interesting. I've always called myself a millennial and my husband's like, you're not a millennial. You're too old. <laughs> but, <laughs> tell him don't hate. Tell him don't hate. right? So reading the book, what she was saying, and forgive me if I mispronounce her name, I think it's Reniqua Allen. She was saying that the baby boomers are the only generation that truly have their years defined. Beginning date of millennials is sometimes 1980. I was born in 80. So again, back to my original theory, I am a millennial at heart. So it's just interesting to read about other people's experiences and, and how they deal with things and how they look at things. And it helps me to realize I am very privileged. I'm in a different position than a lot of other people of color. And I, I can't deny that, but that also means that I need to keep fighting to make sure other folks have these opportunities that I've had. So that book is really changing my opinion on things. I grew up privileged. So it, it's given me a different perspective is, is what I'll say. I can take that a lot. Have you read The Alchemist yet? I have. I have read it twice and I, I picked that up. Ooh, isn't that good? It's so good. Listen, I just read The Alchemist. I just got all my life. And it is, when I say it is so good, I had a friend of mine, a rich book, and she was telling me, you need to read The Alchemist. And she was telling me about a couple of stories. And like, I tried to read that years ago and I was bored. This was before I was awakened yes. to what it meant. Really just when you get it, you get it. And it's deep. I say that it's one of my favorite books of all time, easily at this point, because those messages are powerful. And I see the other book I, I've read, Think and Grow Rich. Okay. And I've listened to that on audio a lot. And there's one, The Four Agreements. That's what I was talking about. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So what I did with that one is I listened to the audio book and I was like, this is really good. So I got the book book so I can sit down and highlight and write notes in the margin because that's how I, I, I love to read. So I'll definitely check out the one that you shared with me. But I love to know that we've read similar books because it's, again, I'm finding that reading, if they say you want to keep something from a person put in the book, they weren't lying. Yeah. 
<laughs> because there's so much power in these books and so much wisdom that sometimes you just have to sit with it and be like, oh, yes, that's what that meant. And I'm trying to get into investing a little bit because again, you know, we're both first gen, not a lot of things that maybe we were taught growing up or that we knew about. So for me, I just picked up investing for dummies hmm. and because I'm like, at least I'll break it down. And it was, um, it's on Amazon. It's like 20 bucks and there's eight books in one. So from the author, I believe his name is Robert. I'm not looking at it, but it's investing for dummies and he does it not across many things, stocks and real estate and investing in your twenties, investing in your thirties. And I'm like, it's never too late to learn, but if you don't take the initiative to do something, you know, and it's not just talking to people or getting on YouTube, those, though, those are resources. There's a lot of good information in books. So you're right. Thank you for sharing that with us, Dr. Johnson. Thank you so much. No problem. So something else that you've mentioned, I want to touch on it a little bit because it's the first gen identity that I haven't really talked about much, but I think you're great. I'm not setting you up. I'm not setting you up, but it's, um, to talk about, you know, how you've been able to balance your life period because you are a wife and you are a mother and we don't talk much about what it means to be first gen and still navigating marriagehood. Although you have both your parents, you're still changing socioeconomic classes in some respects, the academic classes, finding somebody who's compatible because you are a strong black woman and there's nothing wrong with that people. No. Just thinking how you've been able to navigate and find balance in all that you do. How has that experience been for you? You know, it's something that I'm still working on. I work on it daily. I think it's important to get the message out there that nobody has this figured out. Okay. You see people and you think, wow, she got it all together. No, she doesn't. She is a hot mess just like you. (laughs) it, it, It looks good on the outside, but they are trying to figure it out too. So recently I was like, I'm putting too much pressure on work and my family is not getting enough of me. So I'm going to stop emailing on the weekend. I'm going to stop answering emails after like six o'clock. I'm done. I'm doing this. And like, I was like, yes, go me. We about to do this. And so that's what I did. The issue was I didn't change the amount of work that I had to do at work. So I was trying Ooh. this big amount of work into less time. So like I was double and triple booked. I was missing appointments. I became an even hotter mess trying to put some boundaries in my life. And I missed a very, very important meeting and I felt terrible. I had to immediately call my boss like I messed up. I messed up bad. I'm sorry. And that's when I was like, okay, now we got to reevaluate this. I think balance is a constantly moving thing. It's not just this is the answer and we're done. Like your kids are growing. What they want is changing. You're growing and changing. Your husband your family. So it's constantly looking at things and reevaluating. I think delegation is important and that's something we're being good at. I'd rather do it myself and get it done. I may be a bit of a control freak. I like things my way. So, so delegation is hard. So I'm having to learn how to do that. Like that's the only way to get some of these things off my plate and still have some sense of sanity. So I just say it's a, it's a constant thing trying to figure out what can I do? I recently got a cleaning lady and that's a big deal for me that I feel like that's kind of odd. We we didn't have a cleaning lady growing up. Like I was the cleaning lady at our house. (laughs) So it's weird, but that's what I need at this point in time. I need somebody to come in once every other week and keep things on track. So little things like that, like don't be afraid of asking for help and getting the help that you need so that you can keep going and and be productive at work and at home. Mm, Getting what you need. So you just did a lot to me just now. Let me tell you why, because that's what I've been preaching lately. I'm not going to do this all by myself. And so saying that because we think a lot of times that we have to do it all. And you just said that. But the fact that you were even willing to say, uh-uh, I'm going to hire somebody to help with this is very bold because you're releasing that duty and giving yourself a little bit more space because 
that thing. And I'm like, like yourself, I'm saying I'm kind of control freaking me too. You know, and I think mine comes from being the fact that I feel like so much of my life was out of my control that if I could control it, it gave me a sense of peace and a sense of security just to be very straightforward with you. So, but kind of navigating through what that looks like. I was telling a friend the other day, I was like, you know, and letting go, even in business, I wanted to be the the podcast editor. I wanted to be the, the book writer and the speaker and everything. And I'm like, no millionaire became a millionaire by themselves. And when I said it to myself one day, I was like, oh, I'm about to hire everybody. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the idea of I am, you know, I've been a solopreneur for a couple of years. I actually just hired my first person a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it's been a month ago now. Jesus, time flies. So I hired my first person to come along and help, you know, build this business out. But I've contracted other people in the past to do things that I'm like, I don't have time to do this and I can't thrive if I don't get help. So very awesome of you to even share the fact that you missed the meeting because people think, how you? I can't believe you did that. But, you know, how do you bounce back from that? It's just the honest to God truth and you're saying it, just admitting that you did it. Yeah. And, you know, being apologetic about it because you're trying to do it all. So that, that was that was great. Thank you for sharing that. I wasn't expecting it. So thank you for sharing that that truth because everybody wants to be perfect and social media don't help. But don't, look, don't get me started. Not at all. But hey, you know, I guess it is what it is. It's the world that we're living in. Yeah. So look, I know we're coming up on our time. I feel like I can talk to you like all day. I'm really, really enjoying myself. But we are getting to a wrap up stage and I have just a few more questions left to ask you before I have to say bye bye. Although I don't want to. We may have to bring you back for a part two. Okay. I'm sure we will because I know you're working on some things. We're going to get to that. But definitely, if you will, just, you know, tell us in your own words, if you had anything to leave with us, to carry with us for the rest of our lives, to think about, to to marinate on, to remember you by, what would you want to tell us? Probably don't let setbacks, mistakes, failures, whatever stop you just just keep going and I, I've recently started saying you know I, I don't really believe in failure you know it's, it's always a learning opportunity so just think I know it's hard I know your feelings are hurt I know you're devastated but just think what can I learn from this what is God the universe karma whatever you believe trying to teach me from this what can I learn from this what can I get better at and I think that's how you have to look at situations or you will get discouraged and you'll quit but this is making me stronger this is preparing me for something I don't know what it is but I need a lesson out of this. What can I get out of this? Just always think that no matter what. Mm, I love that. I needed to hear that even today. So thank you. That's what I love about this podcast. Like y'all be dropping gems. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't sign up for this today, but I'll take it. Oh, this is really awesome. So the other thing, so what what are some of the projects that you're working on in the future that you want you know us to know about, want us to connect to? Well, because of my almost constant boredom, I've got my hands in way too many things right now. Because of you, I'm working on my website and it's, it's drmiadjohnson.com. And I may have published it just this morning when I've been messing with it over and over and over (laughs) like just go okay just do it put it out there you can always change it you can always fix it I just I I don't know what's next for me I just know I want to support women especially I of course want to support students women of color are a passion of mine I, I just feel like we need more support we need to support each other we need to be there for each other whatever you're trying to do I'm here for it I'm here to help you what can I do so I don't know how that will it's a passion now I don't know how it will evolve into a career or, or it may never do that but that's where my mind is right now and there's nothing wrong with that because you started and it's, it's just a matter of starting and I'm like it was me oh my oh, goodness, goodness. Like, oh, wow yeah. right? Look, wow 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 I, I love to inspire so the fact that that happened thank you for affirming me and even the work that I'm doing and I'm wishing you all the best with your projects ahead because you are amazing and 
I'm not just saying that. I'm for real. And you're so patient. Y'all, let me tell myself, everything that was going wrong trying to get this interview together happened, but she has been so incredibly patient. So please make sure you go out and support Dr. Johnson and all her work. She's amazing, amazing. I'm just not just saying that. And then well-read. So yes, yes, well-read. This is, you know, where like I said, we're having to say goodbye. Look, it's so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> it really is. So on the internet, you know, since we still have to utilize that outside of your website, is there any social media platform that you want us to connect with you on? Yes. Instagram is my, it's probably my favorite platform. And my username there is Mia D. Johnson. Oh, well, that's easy. Straight to the I point. <laughs> I like no that. No fancy like names. Well, it's, it's easy. It's easy. That's why I hate when I'm like looking for somebody and their name is something else. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> it just wasn't meant to be then. But look again, Dr. Johnson, you have been a joy to have. And thank you for your wisdom, for your life, for your experiences, for owning it and coming to the lounge and sharing those things with us. Again, wishing you nothing but the best in all that lies ahead. Thank you for being a part of this family. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. 